Okay, but here's my question. Who are the ladies? Avi, we're the ladies. Hi there, you're listening to The Lady Cast, conversations with women to inspire you to go out and do the thing. I'm Alex Laughlin. This weekend, the Women's March on Washington landed in my hometown, Washington, D.C. And while I wasn't allowed to participate because I'm a journalist, I really wanted to capture this moment in history. So I took my recording gear down to the mall to interview people who were on their way to the march. So first we're going to listen to some sounds and stories from the Women's March. And then I have a quick interview for you with Indira Cesarine, who is an artist, writer, and curator of the Uprise Angry Women Art Exhibit. I am from uh, Williamsburg, Virginia. I am here to, to show that we women are strong and we're not going to just stand here and do nothing about this. My sign says, this is not the time to be sad, this is the time to be strong. And on the other side, it says, kindness is happiness, with lots of peace signs. I feel like a strong woman, I have to say. I'm Maisie, and I'm from Lexington, Virginia. I'm Greta, I'm also from Lexington, Virginia, and I'm also 10. Uh, we made these signs because we really think that it's important to march for the women because we're girls too. Show me what democracy looks like. This is what democracy looks like. Show me what democracy looks like. This is what democracy looks like. My name's Melissa Monsalve. I live in Washington, D.C. I'm here because we're at a pinnacle moment in history where we've made a lot of progress for women, for people of color, for LGBT community, for people with uh, disabilities. And we have someone who wants to completely erase facts. Uh, and it's a massive pushback that he's mobilized an entire group of people who feel that their entitlements have been taken away when in reality they haven't. So uh, we need to fight back for to maintain our freedoms that we've gained over the last 60 years. Feeling a lot of things really. Um, scared, pissed off, mostly numb because I, I can't pinpoint one thing but I have to be here to support my sisters and my brothers and everything else. Gina King and I came from Petoskey, Michigan. <laughs> it was a long bus ride. My <laughs> sign says we will not be silenced, we will resist equality, dignity, and justice for all. I'm here for everybody in my family, all my friends, everybody who believes that we are headed to a dark place in this country and we will we will fight. We will fight and we will fight. I am amazed at the number of people who are here and this gives me hope. This gives me hope that there's so many people who are willing to start speaking up and have a voice. I'll take those why I marched things. I don't think we need to Ready to go! Fire up! Ready to go! Fire up! Ready to go! Ready to go. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I didn't join it because that reminded me of high school and everything I hated about high school. Indira Cesarine is an artist, writer, and curator of the Uprise Angry Women art exhibit. So the exhibit curated 80 women artists in immediate reaction to the election results in November. The exhibit opened last week and a portion of the proceeds go to the ERA Coalition's Fund for Women's Equality. So yeah, definitely check that out if you are in New York or are planning to go to New York at some point. Indira Cesarine, thank you for joining me. Thank you for uh, speaking to me today. <laughs> um, so you are, you're an artist and a curator and a writer and a model and a photographer. Um, you basically do everything. That's amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, th- I think it's a question of um, over the course of my career, I've kind of done a lot of different things, although not necessarily all at the same time. It's kind of been a progression of sort of one path that's led to the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you you started as a photographer, correct? I did. Yeah, so tell me about how that got started. Like, where were you? Uh, where did you grow up? And when, what was your first photography job? I grew up in Iowa, and when I was 14, I went to boarding school at Choate Rosemary Hall in Connecticut, and I also went to school, Parsons School of Design in New York City. And basically, I just started actively pursuing my interest in art and photography throughout my years in high school. I had my first solo show when I was 16 years old, which was at the Paul Mullen Art Center, which is actually on the Choate Rosemary Hall campus. And I was asked to start shooting for elite models when I was 17. I had been working obsessively with my photography like throughout school as well as my painting and my other you know art mediums such as printmaking and basically yeah I was introduced to the director of New Faces at Elite and they loved my work and asked me to start shooting for them so after high school I moved to New York City and went to Columbia University and while I was at Columbia I was photographing for Elite, Ford, Wilhelmina, you know IMG like all the top modeling agencies in New York at the time and then I moved to London. And when I initially moved to London, I actually was modeling, although I started getting work as a photographer for really top magazines very quickly. So I quit modeling and focused on my photography career, which kind of exploded sort of within a few months of moving to London. Wow, that is a wild (laughs) journey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I was fortunate at the time because there were very, very few women. I mean, this was the early 90s. There were very few female photographers, and particularly American female photographers in the U.K. market. I went over there and was able to get meetings at Vogue and at major magazines and was quickly picked up to start shooting for British GQ. And I think by the time I was 25, I was shooting for British Vogue and, you know, was working for all the major U.K. magazines. And then that kind of led to getting a lot of work in Paris and Italy. And really, it was just back to back, living out of a suitcase, traveling. I had bases and agents in New York, Paris and London. So I was kind of traveling between those three cities on a regular basis and rarely was more than a few days in any one 
country. And that kind of gets on your nerves after 15 years go by and you're living out of a suitcase and like every week packing your bag to go somewhere else. But that's the lifestyle of a photographer. I mean, it's you're on the road constantly and your bookings are taking you to locations and, you know, just it's a very fast paced, a lot of uh, travel type of job. You got started at such a young age. You were you were working in a professional capacity. How did you feel like you had the confidence to walk into a room and be like, this is what we're going to do. I am the photographer here doing this. I mean, I think when I first started, when I was like 17, 18, I was a little bit more shy, but I was already pretty mature for my age as well. I'm the youngest of five children, and my mother is a lawyer. So we were sort of raised to be very independent. And my mother is, you know, was working full time and had a very serious career as a lawyer and sort of vice president with my dad's companies as well. And so I guess I always had like a very strong female role model in my family. Aside from that, I was very advanced as far as like, you know, focusing on my studies. And I started studying French when I was 11. And when I was 13, I did a summer abroad in France and lived with a French family for the whole summer, like on my own, just Mm -hmm. to study French. And that really was like a maturing experience, you know, doing things like that. And that inspired me to apply to boarding schools on the East Coast. And I was accepted at quite a few good schools and decided to go to Choate, which had the best art program pretty much out of any of the uh, boarding schools. And I think that going to boarding school at 14 and also living in Manhattan and going to art school, uh, you know, I lived in Manhattan all summer, like every summer, and stayed in dorms and went to Parsons School of Design. They have a high school program for, um, like a college program for high school students, so very advanced, accelerated art program. And you live in the dorm, but there's really no supervision. I mean, at least it wasn't at that time. So I think, you know, I was just out on my own at 14, 15, like going, living and, you know, sort of studying almost as if a college student would be. And I think having done such study opportunities, like going to France and living in Manhattan on my own at 15, like those sort of things really made me very confident and independent. And I don't know. I was just very mature for my age mm-hmm. when I look back at it. <laughs> yeah, and you really have to kind of learn to parent yourself in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do think that also going to boarding school, most kids that end up going to boarding school end up being really mature for their age. By the time they are college age, they're like way ahead of the average student that's leaving home for the first time. What was it about taking photos that really made you come alive? that you, like, really loved about it? You know, I think a lot of it was when I started, you know, really getting into photography. I had already been studying painting for several years. And to do a painting, you know, you're talking, like, it might take you weeks, if not a month, to actually create, like, a work on canvas of any sort of merit. And what I loved about photography is how spontaneous it was and how you could capture this moment and capture this, like, era And it's just like a click of a shutter. And obviously, you know, if you stage your photographs and you can come up with original ideas that you sort of fantasize about some sort of setup or you might come up with, you know, any idea that you're interested in and then you can create that and show it to other people. It's almost like making your dreams come true, so to speak. Yeah. Your 
able to visualize things that only you can imagine and share them with other people. And, you know, you can do that with painting, but obviously it's, it's a much, much longer process and not as realistic, you know, it's definitely is in a different realm. Mm-hmm. Um, what I just loved about photography is the ability to create your own landscape and to be able to create images that could have an impact that, you know, were coming from your imagination. And I also found with photography that I just really loved being in the dark room, printing my own work, all the sort of magic of seeing the image appear under the chemicals and stuff. I used to print mm-hmm. all my own stuff. Now that everything's digital, I don't I very rarely go into the dark room, but <laughs> you know, that was definitely something that was a big part of it initially. It's amazing because you know, since everything has been digitized, I feel like so many of the mechanical parts of of making art and of creating have just been kind of wiped away. There was this video going around of an NPR editor editing audio like manually, and mm-hmm. it looked like a completely different thing. Like it oh, is yeah. so foreign from what I anything I know. Yeah, no, it's it is very foreign. I mean, I went to film school when we were still studying film, like actually shooting 16-millimeter film, and we had to Mm -hmm. cut and splice the film and tape it together to make a movie. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, we made, like, 10-minute movies in class. It was, like, a whole term, whole semester to make a 10-minute film because you literally had to shoot it and then develop the film and then go through it, like, very slowly, frame by frame, and then cut it and tape it together to make a movie. And that's how they made movies for, like you know, up until Final Cut Pro came out. So we're talking, I don't know, I went to film school in like 2001, and they were still doing it like that in film school. So I want to fast forward to Mm -hmm. 2009 when you launched Untitled Magazine. Can you Mm -hmm. tell me about where that that idea came from and why you started it? You know, it it was really spontaneous sort of thing that happened. I had been working and living in Europe and had been traveling and, like I said, had been almost living out of a suitcase for 15 years working as a fashion photographer. And I had a lot of ideas and interests aside from just photography and was, on one hand, feeling like I wasn't really reaching my full potential because I had a lot of other interests other than just taking beautiful photos. And I felt like my my work was sort of only going so far as a photographer and I kind of achieved like the highest I was going to go like I kind of started feeling like I was hitting a wall and I wasn't able to um, progress further in my career without changing things up and so I moved back to New York and basically I decided to archive all of my my work and I it hired several interns. I think I had six interns that worked with me. And for six months, we scanned and archived like all of my published work because, I mean, for years, obviously, photography wasn't digital yet. And so you would get copies of magazines that they were nothing was digitalized or scanned. So we actually spent six months scanning all the published work I had done over the years and sort of organizing it. And when we finished, I had this whole team of people who had been working with me, and we sat there, and we're like, well, what next? 
And it was really just a question of, like, by osmosis, I was like, oh, why don't we launch an online magazine and have fun, you know, do something. Like, cause I, we had finished archiving my work, and, you know, we had such an inspired team working with me. So it was a matter of, like, finding something else to work on. At the time, it was also right after the financial crisis, and we were still going through the financial crisis in this country. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, you know, were out of work. A lot of creatives and photographers were not working as much as they had been before, including myself. So I was able to throw myself into the magazine. And all kinds of contributors, friends of mine who were photographers and stylists and hair and makeup artists and journalists, all wanted to come on board to work on it because they were really excited about the idea. Initially, it was an online-only publication, and we also produced 20 to 30 short films per issue that were movies of documentaries or fashion films or all different kinds of music videos, various different video content. And the idea was really an online magazine that also sort of expressed its editorial through uh, motion. Hmm. And that magazine ended up being uh, the work that was created for it just was so beautiful. And the work that the contributors and everybody that we did for that magazine, that got a lot of attention. We were invited to exhibit the work at the Metropolitan Museum of Art for a fundraiser there. We were asked to exhibit the work at a fundraiser for the Louvre Museum. You know, we were invited to exhibit it all over the world at Art Basel Miami, Cannes Film Festival, and it just gained so much momentum. And um, the opportunity positioned itself to turn it into a print magazine in 2011 and to have a global print distribution contract. So I jumped at that opportunity and really focused on building it as a globally distributed print magazine over the next few years. Since then, I have actually slowed down with the print edition because I find that more and more people are reading their content online and, you know, the shift to the importance of social media has kind of changed the relevance of print publications. So, you know, the magazine is still progressing in its own right, although we might actually do our next print edition as a hardcover coffee table book instead of a traditional magazine because I feel like it's harder and harder to get people to buy or read print magazines. So that's sort of the next progression um, of where we're planning to go with that. But it has been an incredible experience. I learned so much doing the magazine and met so many amazing people and worked with so many incredibly talented contributors. It was really, you know, just an incredible experience. Mm -hmm. And and I love that you created something and you've kind of created a, a world around this idea for the Entitled Magazine. And so you have the Entitled Space where you host mm-hmm. events and, and show art. Where did that idea come from? Because I love this idea of taking a sort of nebulous idea and like really making it a real place for a community to gather. Mm-hmm. You know, the Untitled Space sort of started happening parallel to the magazine. I had been obviously working as an artist and exhibiting my own work, and the magazine had been invited to do all these exhibits in collaboration with various institutions and, you know, events around the world. And basically, um, I really enjoyed curating the art exhibits. I found that, you know, the, the exhibits also kind of brought in a new audience, every exhibit we did. 
so when I started working on the untitled space, it was really a question of expanding on the whole concept of what I could do with the art side of my interests. And I decided to launch the Untitled Space, although it's not necessarily in collaboration with the magazine. I do prefer to keep them separate because we sometimes do exhibits in collaboration with the magazine, but overall I see the Untitled Space as having its own voice and entity. And the Untitled Space was created also to promote women in art and to emphasize feminist art as a genre and it has its niche. We predominantly uh, exhibit the work of female artists. And I just wanted to do that for my own personal initiative. You know, it was important to me to expand on my interest in the art world and in women in art. You know, initially the, the gallery was launched in 2014. And at the same time, we were working on the girl power issue of the Untitled magazine. Mm-hmm. So there was definitely a crossover there because of the mission of the gallery and the uh, girl power issue of the magazine, which was focusing on all female talent by female creatives. So that was kind of a really great sort of synergy that was happening. And since then, the magazine has kind of gone on its own track and the gallery is also, you know, has its own voice and, raison d'etre. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And so you have an exhibit coming up um, called mm-hmm. Uprise Angry Women. Tell me about this. I'm really excited about this concept. Well, Uprise Angry Women was basically an exhibit that I felt really strongly about doing after the presidential election results mm-hmm. came out and obviously Donald Trump was elected. I think a lot of people, including myself, were very shocked by the results. I I never thought in a million years that this man would actually get elected after all the sort of racist, sexist comments he had made throughout his campaign and and the, you know, sort of sexual assault allegations against him among some million other lawsuits and just his integrity as a person. In any case, the exhibit is really a response and a call-out. I wanted to do an exhibit that could create a platform for artists to create works that responded to the social and political climate in America after the election results were announced, and to ask women in America, to female artists in particular, to kind of voice their point of view on the subject and how they feel about the situation, obviously from the point of view also of women in art and feminist art. So a lot of the artists obviously are doing works and created works that are in protest to, you know, what's happening. I just felt it was very important for artists to have an opportunity and a platform to present those works and for them to be able to be presented to the public eye. Mm -hmm. And something I've been noticing a lot is a linking between the creation of art and actual practice of activism. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen the pamphlet by Beth Pickens that's kind of circulating called Making Art During Fascism. Um, but it's it's a way for uh, women especially, but mostly progressive people to uh, figure out how to essentially donate their talents or give their talents the sort of manpower to also be activist. I'm wondering if you have any advice for women who are creators or are makers or artists who want to be using their voices for that same good. I mean, I think the main thing is to just not fear your emotions and to 
try to channel your anger or however you feel about the situation to not be scared to speak up. And if you feel that it's important to try to promote progression in this country and that human rights are something that matter to you, women's rights are something that matter to you, then it's important to be as active as you can in, in voicing those opinions and in being out there, whether it's protesting, whether it's making art with regards to those sentiments, whether it's having a blog on those issues, whatever it is, I think it's just important to try to creatively continue the dialogue and continue to progress the importance of what all this means to all of us. I mean, we're, this is a future of our country sort of in line here. You know, this is pretty serious stuff. So I think it's important that everybody keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Well, I am so excited for this exhibit to run. Um, and I wish you the best of luck with the opening. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Um, and I'm really excited for you. And Thank you. Yeah. And that is the show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy listening to The LadyCast, please rate us on iTunes. You can find The LadyCast on Twitter and Instagram at The LadyCast. You can find me on those places at Alex Laughs. The LadyCast website is theladycast.com. Subscribe to The Tiny Letter at tinyletter.com slash theladycast. Also, subscribe to my Asian Books 2017 newsletter. I am reading only Asian books in 2017 and writing about it in a monthly newsletter tinyletter.com slash aznbooks2017 thanks to jj posway for writing our theme music and to sarah lawrence for designing our logo all right i'll talk to you guys soon in the meantime go out and do the thing bye